And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is our first episode of the fall of NEC football on the run. Now, there were only three games this past week in NEC action, but still plenty to talk about. Coming up on the show, we'll go through the top stars. We'll chat about some stats. We'll preview the upcoming weekend, which is the last September slate. And we'll chat with one of the biggest stars of the week and a guy who I believe holds the record now for most appearances here on the show. This will be his third appearance, the first of the 2023 season, Sacred Heart grad senior running back Malik Grant. But first, let's take you back through the week that was. We had some nail biters this week. It's our top headlines. It's time for the pick six. And story number one, we start with one of the most thrilling games we've seen in the NEC in quite some time. Sacred Heart coming off a conference opening loss last week on their home turf against the Wagner Seahawks. This time, all they had to do was go on the road and take on the reigning and defending NEC champion, the St. Francis U Red Flash, who were playing their home opener and their conference opener. The preseason favorites went 0-3 in non-conference play. Now, the Flash got out to a pair of early 10-point leads. They were up 10-zip in the first quarter, and then 17-7 in the second quarter. But Sacred Heart scored 13 unanswered points right at the end to go into the locker room with a 20-17 lead at the break. Peyton Rhodes had a one-yard touchdown run and a pair of Sam Renzi field goals from 44 and 40 yards out, respectively. Right at the last one, right at the first half gun, gave Sacred Heart the three-point cushion. Then Sacred Heart went from down 10 to up 10. Rob McCoy, who was making his first start of the season, threw a 12-yard touchdown to LJ Haskett to make it 27-17. But then SFU went on a 10-point run. They tied it up. Cole Doyle, a 21-yarder to Damon Horton. Mac Plummer, a 26-yard field goal for the flash. So all in all, nine minutes left in the game, and we were all even at 27. Sacred Heart then went on the drive. Eight plays, 75 yards, three minutes, 32 seconds. Malik Grant, their leader, four-yard touchdown run. Sacred Heart went in front 34-27 with five minutes and change to go. SFU then answered. Cole Doyle, 17-yard touchdown to Aaron Titino with 229 remaining game tied at 34. So it was punch, counter punch, and you started to get the feeling that whoever had the football last would win it, and that's exactly what happened. Sacred Heart took over, 222 remaining after the kick return. They went 10 plays, 32 yards. They got in field goal range, and Sam Renzi, game-winning field goal from 40 yards out right through the uprights as the clock hit zeros, and the Sacred Heart Pioneers win it 37-34. So a week after being upset at home by Wagner, Sacred Heart then goes on the road in the elements and knocks off the preseason favorite, just like we all predicted. Sacred Heart outgained SFU 423 to 421. A lot of offense in this game, and Sacred Heart outgained him by just a mere two yards. How about rushing? Both teams ran the football incredibly well. Sacred Heart had the rushing edge 238 to 228, so by 10 yards. But the Sacred Heart rushing attack was very versatile Malik Grant 120 yards on the ground in a score Jalen Madison 60 yards and a touchdown even quarterback Rob McCoy 60 yards on the ground and for St. Francis on defense you know if there's that much running going on you figure there's a lot of tackling and St. Francis Carter Glassmeyer had a 16 tackle game 
which was the most in a single game for the St. Francis defense since 2011. So Sacred Heart with this win, they go to one and one in NEC play and SFU starts the defense of their championship at 0-1 in the NEC and 0-4 overall. So for story number two, what does this all mean? Well, the NEC, it means the NEC is wide open. Uh, every game from here on out is going to be crucial and has playoff implications. Every game has incredible importance the rest of the way to see who will eventually you know, come out of this and represent the NEC in the FCS playoffs. Now, SFU, they were the preseason favorite. You don't want to overreact to just one game, but perhaps the loss of several key players, especially skilled players, players on offense and on defense, uh, maybe those losses were more significant than we thought. Not that the new players can't or haven't stepped up. I mean, look, they scored 34 points. They had over 400 total yards of offense and they ran for over 200 yards. Problem was Sacred Heart just did it a little bit better. Sometimes it does take a while to click. They got this first game out of their system. Still plenty of football left to be played here in 2023. And as for Sacred Heart, with their quarterback, Rob McCoy. We've talked about it here on the show. They've been trying to figure out their quarterback situation since the spring. And uh, I think they may have finally figured it out. Similar to how last year, you know, Cole Doyle, uh, Gavin McCusker, even Lucas Stanzani, they came in midway through the season and led their teams to big runs. Maybe this is Sacred Heart. Rob McCoy coming in as the season's already underway. Maybe he can lead Sacred Heart on a run now going forward. McCoy in his first career start was 14 for 23, 185 yards, two touchdowns through the air. And he also had 60 yards rushing on the ground. And you listen a little bit to his interview on Sacred Heart social media following the game. I mean, this is a real humble guy. He deflected the attention to virtually every other position group. He talked about always having belief, you know, a Matterday prep high school kid from New Jersey. He's been with the Sacred Heart program for a while and now finally getting his shot and look at what he did. He led the team through all this adversity on the road against the reigning champs, led them to a big win. And after the game, head coach Mike Nofrey for the Pioneers talked about how proud he was of his team battling back, said Saturday he felt was the day his kids finally became a football team. Well, we'll see if they could stay a football team and keep it going. Big game next week coming up against Merrimack, and we'll talk about that one later on in the show. But speaking about Merrimack, story three, the reigning NEC runners-up were on the road taking on the Wagner Seahawks, who were fresh off their big win against Sacred Heart last week. Now, last week in the postgame, we heard Wagner head coach Thomas Ellis say, this is a different team. The culture is changing. And we would definitely see whether or not the culture was changing if Wagner could somehow win a second game in a row and go to 2-0 in conference play for the first time since 2016. Now, talk about back and forth games. This was a game that featured six lead changes, including three in the final quarter. Merrimack turned the game around in the third to set up that fourth quarter, a pair of special team scores, a 94-yard kick return touchdown by Donovan Wadley, and Nasir Maryland had an eight-yard blocked punt return for a touchdown. And just like that, a Merrimack 10-point deficit turned into a 21-17 lead, special plays from their special teams. Now, with Merrimack in front, 21-17, Seahawk quarterback Steven Kudrowski ran it from nine yards out to put Wagner up with just under 13 to go, but Merrimack had an answer. Tyvon Edmonds Jr., who came into the week as the league's leading rusher, he had a one-yard touchdown run to put the Warriors back in front 27-23. And then with 4.35 left, 
Krajewski again, a 21-yard pass to Jalen Benelli on a fourth down and 11. Talk about clutch. From 21 yards out, a touchdown capping off an eight-play, 71-yard drive in 415 to make it 30-27 Seahawks. But Merrimack would still have a chance, starting at their own 37, 439 left. All they have to do is get in field goal range to tie it. If they get a touchdown, they could take the lead and maybe win it. Key play, though, was on second down and 11. Gavin McCusker had a 39-yard pass to Jelani Mason, got them into Wagner territory. So from their own 37 to the Wagner 24. Now they're in business. They flip field position. They're right on the edge of field goal range. They eventually continue to drive and got it to the one-yard line, literally three feet away from stealing this one on the road. So forget game-tying field goal. Merrimack had their eyes on actually winning this game. So from the one-yard line, first down, run it, loss of two. Second down, they run it. They get a one-yard gain. So third down from two yards out, no gain. So now fourth down and two. They're at the Wagner two-yard line, 26 seconds left. Liam Davis comes in for a 20-yard field goal. Try chip shot to tie the game, possibly send it into overtime. And this is where things went a little bit haywire. The officials went to instant replay to check on something we don't know what it is because they never made an announcement but you know you you've seen it on tv you know as teams are driving down the field for either a game winning game tying big field goal situation you know that they, they always show the camera on the kicker and he's doing those practice kicks into the net they show the the long snapper doing some practice snaps right so the whole unit the whole battery stays warm right stays loose getting ready for their big moment to get on the field well the officials went into this replay for six minutes and they left the kicker and the holder and the snapper and everybody's just standing there in the cold and in the rain for six minutes before they finally allowed the fourth down play to continue. And what do you know? Errant snap. Holder Cole Peterson couldn't get it down. Wagner makes the tackle and the Seahawks improve to 2-0 and in league play a 30 to 27 victory <sighs> hard to stay loose when you're just standing there on the field for six minutes, tough spot for Merrimack uh, as they come away with a three point defeat. Krajewski for Wagner, incredibly impressive 14 for 26, 118 yards, two touchdowns in the air, two touchdowns on the ground. How about our guy, junior Wiley, our guest last week, he had an interception for a second straight week. Didn't get to the end zone this time, but still was able to force a big turnover. We said it last week when this guy makes plays Wagner wins the last three times. He's recorded an interception twice this year. Once last year, Wagner is one. All right. So they're going to be looking for Wiley to get an interception every week. If this pattern continues and for the warriors, Tyvon Edmonds, junior 30 carries 81 yards. He got into the end zone twice so story number four we want to focus on the Wagner Seahawks who through two conference games are, are the story of the season in the NEC this was a team that was picked dead last in the preseason poll prior to their win at Sacred Heart two weeks ago they were two and 36 in their previous 38 games and they're two and oh in NEC play and their victories against the preseason number two and the preseason number three man we all saw this coming right Head coach Tomasella said that this win was as good of a win as Wagner football has ever had. And Tomasella's been around, around Wagner football for a while. So those are our big words. And, you know, in NEC games this year, 
Wagner, they're plus three in turnover differential. So they're forcing turnovers and not giving it away. They're giving up just under 300 yards per game. We know defense has always been a staple at Wagner. They've sent players out to the pros, but now that defense is going and they're getting a little bit of offense, they're making big plays. They're not turning the ball over. We mentioned the clutch fourth down play. Kurjuski, a threat in the air and on the ground. Maybe they're starting to get all the elements they need to put something together here. We'll see. Now, Wagner will be at Rutgers this week before taking on SFU in two weeks on NEC TV. That's the big Thursday night game on CBS Sports Network. And we know Wagner's already beaten preseason three. They've already beaten preseason two. And now they have preseason number one in their sights next time out in conference play. Now, in story five, the other NEC team, the third game that was going on this past week, and it was Stonehill, and they saw their two-game win streak come to an end with a 44 to nothing shutout loss at Fordham. Jermaine Corbett had 14 carries for 69 yards. Stonehill will be back in NEC action this week, taking on St. Francis. So finally, the NEC standings through week four have Wagner in sole possession of first place at 2-0. We're roughly 33 and a third of the way through uh, the season, 33 and a third uh, percent of the way to a NEC championship. Wagner's in first place. Stonehill still unbeaten as well in conference play. They're one and zero with their win over Central a couple weeks back. Duquesne and LIU, they have still yet to play their NEC opener. Now it's hard to get a read on, on the conference and who's good, who's not good, where, where things might shake out because two of the teams haven't even played a conference game yet. That changes this week. Meanwhile, Central, Merrimack, SFU, they all stand at 0-1. Time now for our top three stars of the week, and we start at number three, Sacred Heart quarterback Rob McCoy. The Sacred Heart grad senior quarterback from the Garden State piloted the Pioneers to a win over SFU in his first career start. 14 for 23 passing, 185 yards Two passing touchdowns, a pick, and he ran for over 60 yards as well. A guy that's super poised, composed, led Sacred Heart down the field in a clutch situation for the game-winning field goal as time expired. Rob McCoy, our number three star. Number two, it's Sacred Heart running back Malik Grant. He paced the Sacred Heart offense that put up over 200 yards of rushing with 20 carries for 120 yards and a fourth down, a four-yard fourth quarter touchdown. He had a big 30-yard boost early uh, burst earlier in the game as well. Grant relentless on the ground. He's now up to third in the league in rushing. And our number one star of the week is Wagner quarterback Steven Krajewski, the grad senior from UConn, threw for two scores, ran for two scores, had the eventual game-winning touchdown pass on a fourth and 11 Wagner quarterback Steven Kajuski, our number one star of the week. It's time now to talk with our special guest, and he's from the Sacred Heart Pioneers. We welcome back to NEC uh, football on the run, Malik Grant. It's time now for our big chat, and we welcome in Sacred Heart running back Malik Grant. Malik, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. Now, this week, what a big win. Sacred Heart coming away with a 37 34 win against SFU on the road on Saturday. So, you know, after dropping that first game at Wagner, which I'm sure was disappointing, you go back on the road, you beat the preseason favorite. How much did that kind of lift morale a little bit with the team in the locker room? Oh, uh, well, I'll say it definitely lifted a, lot of, lifted a lot of morale with the team. But, you know, we still have a goal at the end of the day, and that's to go 1-0 each and every day through our practice and then 1-0 every Saturday. So that's really it. It's no, like, being St. Francis didn't, like, 
put us over the top, like, oh, that's our Super Bowl. No, we still have a goal every single day, and that's 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 it. And to get to one and zero last Saturday, you had to come back. You were down ten points twice over the span of that game. So you're battling them. You were battling the elements. There was a lot going on. How did the team kind of keep that belief on the sidelines? Uh, just the just the guys on the sideline. You know, coach travels about what seventy guys, on the other guys on the sideline who who might not play a lot or who play just a little. You know, them keeping the energy for the guys that are in in those critical moments. You know. Just a, the offense supporting the defense when the defense is out there and the defense supporting the offense when the offense is out there, it just played a very major role and a big part in our success in believing in each other. And, and you know, I know part of the, the story of the season, really since the spring, has been trying to find that consistency at quarterback. And Rob McCoy had a, an incredible game. What, what was it like being out there with him leading the way on offense? Uh, it was a great experience to be out there with Rob, you know, um, we needed someone to step up at the quarterback position for sure, and that he definitely stepped up for surely, making really, really big throws and great throws in critical moments. And or, I mean, you got you got to give credit when it's due. Rob played a great game, but the, those receivers as well, man, you got to give credit when it's due. Those guys made some really great big catches, and I'm very thankful for those guys. And and for you, 20 carries, 120 yards, a touchdown. He touched down the fourth quarter. He had a big, I think, 30-yard run earlier in the game. So, you know, when you look back on your performance on Saturday, how would you kind of assess it? Uh, i say my performance, it wasn't enough for surely, but I'm just happy that it was able to be something to where I put the team in the best position to come out with the win. You know, Jalen Madison as well, he had a great game as well. He ran really, really hard. I'm just very thankful to be in the position that I am and to share the backfield with Jalen as well, you know. Um, but I wouldn't say I played a really good game. I think the guys on the sideline and the coaches and everyone, they really kept me in the game and kept everyone encouraged to go out there and finish the game strong. That's really what it was. And and when Sam was coming out to make that that kick at the end, what, what was kind of the confidence? I see the smile on your face. What was the confidence level on the sideline? Did you know, like, oh, we got this? Or what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling in that moment? I mean, like I said earlier on, um, just the confidence that the guys on the sideline brought to us when we were on offense and the, the confidence that they, we brought to the defense when they were on defense. It was the same thing. After St. Francis called their last time out before he kicked the field goal, I said to him, I said, hey, go win us the game, baby. Like, and he said, I got you. Don't worry about it, you know. And, hey, he pulled through. He's that guy. We believed in him the whole time. That's why we did what we did, ran the clock down, and the game was on it. The game was on the line, and we put it all on him, and he made that field goal. We believed in him. We've always believed in him, and he, he pulled through for us. That's awesome to hear all that confidence, and, and and certainly it led to a great result. And I know Coach said after the game that, you know, he thought you guys became a real t- a, a real team, a team on, on Saturday, you know, 0-3, going on the road, getting a big win. Um, how, how did the team feel? Did you guys think that, well, you know, this is finally clicking? Uh, for surely we clicked on, we clicked on a lot of different levels that throughout that whole game. Um, we all definitely did not play our best game for surely. Like on the defensive end, they didn't play their best game, but they played their, they played, they played their butts off on the offensive end. We didn't play our best game, but we definitely played hard enough to come out with a victory and on special teams either. So we all have another level that we could tap into and we all need to get to that level for surely if we want to achieve our goals for the rest of the season, for sure. And we we were saying earlier in the show, you know, at this point, who knows in the Northeast Conference? Like you beat St. Francis, Wagner beat you. Every team's beaten everybody. So who knows how this is going to end up? Um, but you look ahead. You mentioned, you know, going one to know each week. So this week it's Merrimack. Last year the game came down to the last drive. You guys had the ball, but kind of ran out of time there at the end. So what's the key to going one to know this week against Merrimack? 
the key to going one and zero this week is definitely starting tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning with lift and then practice. You know, that's one day at a time, one step at a time, every rep in practice, one rep at a time, making sure you're locked in, focused, and practicing hard. Practice the way how you're going to play on Saturday because if you do that on Saturday, it should be easy for you. And that's really what it is. And then going to the game on Saturday, get your mind prepared on Thursday night. Don't even wait until Saturday. Get your mind prepared on Thursday night, which is our model right now. Um, getting your mind prepared early so that when you go into the game, everything is clicking and we're all rooting for each other and everyone in the stands is going to be rooting for us too. It's the mentality, right? You don't win games just on Saturday. You win it, you know, they're during the, all the other days of the week, right? All right, let's go to the final five questions. These are rapid fire. So just give us the first thing that comes to mind, all right? All right, favorite color? Favorite color, blue. Okay, not red? No, nah, I love red too. I'm not. Okay, I'm, there you go. Red. Uh, favorite, favorite snack or junk food? Favorite snack or junk food? Probably trolleys. Trolley okay. junk food. Yeah. All right, good choice. Favorite Taylor Swift song? And we ask because we saw on social media, you, you hit those high notes. You and your bunch of your teammates sing some Taylor Swift songs. Uh, so, so what? What's your number one go to? I say my number one go to is definitely on "We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together." <laughs> okay, we actually have a clip. We're gonna insert it here and, and play a little bit of it right now for everybody. Gotcha. <laughs> and we are never ever ever getting back together. We. All right, so there we go. That was Malik and and uh, doing some singing for Taylor Swift. Uh, never ever getting back together. Uh, now back to the questions. If your teammates could describe you using one word or phrase, what would be the one word or phrase they would use? One word or phrase? Oh man, I really don't know. Um, some might say I'm a hard worker. Some might say I'm goofy. Some <laughs> might say I really don't know. I honestly, I don't. So, but bunch of different opinions because it depends on who you ask yeah it depends on what you ask and and finally you know you you made the decision to come back for for one more year at, at sacred heart uh i'm assuming you came back to, to try to win that championship the cherry on top of the sunday at the end so you know what would it take this year for you to get that that storybook ending get that championship at the end and win the championship this year with sacred heart what it would take uh i'll definitely say it would take all the guys buying in you know since like I've been saying since the summer, everyone just buying in, bringing that energy, that juice on the sidelines whenever we play, whoever we play, it doesn't matter who it is. Like just bring the juice, offense, going out there playing hard, no matter who's on the field. Make sure we're clicking on all phases, defense clicking on all phases. Literally like putting your life on the line for your brother next to you on the field. That's really what it's gonna take, and just going one and zero every single day and every single Saturday. It was a great first step on Saturday, but as you said, first step, still a long way to go. Lots of season and lots of football left to play. Malik, best of luck the rest of the way to you and the Pioneers. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. Be sure to check out our full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC Overtime Pod. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. We thank Malik for joining us, and now it's time for Stat Chat. And more of kind of like a trivia question here, but only twice in NEC history has the champion or the co-champion finished with two conference losses. And we bring this up because, you know, as we talked about with Malik, everybody's beaten everybody so far this year. Sacred Heart got beat by Wagner, and then they turn around and beat St. Francis. So who knows how this thing will end up when we get to November. But again, you get the feeling if everybody keeps beating each other up, we might be in a situation where two conference losses might not completely eliminate you. 
Traditionally, two conference losses have been the death sentence. Only twice in NEC history has a champion finished with two conference losses. And those two occasions happened in 2005, Central Connecticut and Stony Brook both finishing at five and two atop the standings. And in 2013, Sacred Heart and Duquesne finishing at co-champions, both four and two. Now, out of those four teams, 2005 Central, 2005 Stony Brook, 2013 Sacred Heart, and 2013 Duquesne, none of those four teams started 0-2. Two of them started 0-1, but none of the four started 0-2. Sacred Heart avoided 0-2, a season-saving win this past week, like we talked about with Malik uh, against St. Francis. But now we look ahead to some of these 0-1 teams that a lot of people thought were title contenders here in 2023. We're looking at you, St. Francis. We're looking at you, Merrimack. You hate to say must win in the second conference game of the season, but again, nobody has come from 0-2 in conference play to ever win the NEC championship. So St. Francis, Merrimack, big games coming up this weekend as we take a look at what's coming up this weekend on tap. It's the final Saturday, the final day in September, and it gets started with a 12 p.m. kick Central Connecticut State in non-conference action against Brown. Brown beat Central in a very competitive 27-20 to game last year in New Britain. Central actually had a fourth and three at the Brown six-yard line. They had to settle for a two-yard pass up the middle short of the line to gain. They turned it over on downs as the clock ran out. We'll see if Central Connecticut can uh, turn things around here in 2023. Now, Wagner, we mentioned this earlier, there'll be a non-conference action this week at Rutgers, 3.30 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. Now, look, Wagner's been great, 2-0. and No one's going to say it. I'm going to say it. If Wagner beats Rutgers this week, we should just cancel the rest of the season and give Wagner the trophy because it, it nothing would top that. Rutgers beat Wagner 66 to seven last year in the home opener for the Scarlet Knights. We'll see if Wagner can keep things going as they try to tune up and get ready for again, that Thursday night primetime CBS sports network game, their next conference game against SFU. Now there are three league games going on this week. First St. Francis Stonehill, 1 PM NEC front row, the Skyhawks prior to their non-conference loss on Saturday against Fordham. They were rolling. They had wins over Central, non-conference win over Georgetown. Jermaine Corbett's been a key in the running game. And they're taking on, by the way, a St. Francis team that just gave up over 200 yards of rushing to Sacred Heart last week. You better believe Jermaine Corbett has been watching that game tape, seeing all those holes that have been opened up uh, last week and hoping that he could have similar success. But I think in this game, we're going to find a lot about the 2023 SFU red flash. They're in the same position that Sacred Heart was last week, losing their home opener, embarrassed on their home field, starting 0-1 in league play, having to go on the road and fight through adversity to get back on track. Sacred Heart just did that last week. St. Francis has to do that this week. Will they? We'll see. If not, as we just mentioned in Stat Chat, their title hopes might be dashed before we even get to October. So huge game for SFU this week at Stonehill. Second, Merrimack at Sacred Heart, 1 p.m. NEC front row. Last year, these two teams met. It came down to the final drive, as we just talked about with Malik Grant. Sacred Heart ran out of time. Sacred Heart's trying to go 1-0 for a second straight week. They're hoping the solid play at quarterback continues. Meanwhile, Merrimack Lost a heartbreaker on the road due to special teams. How do they respond? Can they bounce back or do they fall to that 0-2 death sentence in conference play? We will see big game, two teams 
looking to get in the positive direction to a championship could be a crossroads game uh, on Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, at at Sacred Heart in Fairfield, Connecticut. And the final league game we're going to focus on is Duquesne and LIU, 12 p.m., NEC front row. This is the league opener for both teams. Neither game, neither team has played a conference game yet. That changes on Saturday when they play each other. Last year, man, if you remember, this was a thriller. LIU won it 50 to 48 in double overtime out in on the bluff in Pittsburgh. Lucas stands in. This was his coming out game 22 for 27, 346 yards. Four touchdowns, ran for a touchdown on the opposite end. Mishler was the starting quarterback, threw for five touchdowns, but three picks. Darius Parentes, who's going to be starting this year, he came in later in the game as a quarterback as well. LIU won the ground game a year ago. Duquesne had the advantage in the air, and it ended up with an LIU two-point conversion in the second overtime, making the difference. This was the springboard game for LIU to their four-game win streak. At the end of the year, and you know Duquesne uh, didn't have as good of a finish to the season as they would have hoped, and that double overtime game was kind of a big pivot for both teams in their respective seasons. We know LIU is dealing with some injuries this time around, and I think a big question a lot of us have are: Do we really know what Duquesne, Duquesne team we have here in 2023? They were three and four last year in conference play. They had two losses this year facing FBS opponents, West Virginia and Coastal Carolina. So I don't know how much we learned from those games. So I'm interested to learn a lot about Duquesne taking on a, a league opponent uh, on, against LIU on the road on Saturday. Should learn a lot about both teams and maybe the picture of the entire NEC championship uh, picture. The entire Northeast Conference will become just a little bit clearer as we finish off September coming up on Saturday. So that'll just about do it for this week's show. A lot to look forward to uh, this upcoming weekend and certainly look forward to talking about it and break it all down for you back here next week. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.